Welcome to Studio One. If you like what you see, like and subscribe and comment. So my name is Mike from Studio One. So glad to have you here. We're a music interview show, and we focus a lot about artists' backgrounds and careers and inspirations. So glad to have you here, Toronto's Prince of Bedroom R&B. Can wow. you? Wow, that's a title. <laughs> that's your Spotify title. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You I didn't write that. I didn't even know. Oh, okay. I remember now. I had someone write yeah. that for me. That's cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Can you uh, introduce yourself briefly? Yeah, so my name is Silo Nasra. Um, I think in the near future, I might just go by Silo, but for now, it's Silo Nasra. And I've been making music for almost 10 years. I've been dabbling in music for way longer, but um, I think... I started Silo when I was, when it was 2016. Yeah, 2016 is when I started this project, but I've been writing since I was like 13. Prince of R&B bedroom. Dream pop. Dream pop, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's my, that's my uh, occupational title yeah. officially. In any documentary that you see with my, with my face in it, that's going to be at the bottom. Right. <laughs> You know how you watch some documentaries? It's just such stupid, like, titles. Like, you ever seen those? You had to make fun of them? I don't know. I can't think of any right now. I was going to connect to myself. So I used to, and I still have some accounts called Ozora Ultra. So Ozora is actually from the Toyota 86. There was a Blue Sky Edition in Hanji. and oh, cool. Hanji. And uh, Ultra <laughs> from... Uh, Ultraman because Ultraman was a big part of my childhood. So uh, what is the name for silo? I looked up your hangul and it just means like a grain silo. It was like the phonetic translation. What is the right. story? Yeah, a lot of people say it's like, oh, are you like the missile silo or like a grain silo? Never thought about missile silo. Yeah. Um there's no that's cool. I thinking back retroactively retrospectively thinking back on that I should have actually <laughs> done sort of that kind of thing like you did where I tie something to something close to my heart or something from my childhood but nope didn't do that to me it just sounded cool I think I remember watching a Netflix show and it was a, a, a show with Ricky Gervais yeah and I, I think it was it was called Derek that one but he plays i think he plays a guy kind of i think he's kind of on the spectrum but like just he's he's kind of odd in in a lot of ways but it's just super nice and like wears his heart on his sleeve and everyone loves him but he gets to you know he gets taken advantage of like most often people like that do with you know a lot of villainy out in the world and uh yeah, one of the characters' names, I remember, he works at a senior's home. So one of the seniors' names was Silo with a, with a Y. And I was like, that's a really cool name. I've never seen that. I, really, I just really like how that sounds. And then, uh, and then Nasra, I was and still am into just anything that just sounds kind of like Japanese. Mm -hmm. And I just love my favorite letters are like a Z and like S. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So yeah. that's deeper. It just sounded cool to me. And I just said it to myself over and over when I came up with it. 
like Silo Nasra, Silo Nasra. Yeah. Imagining like people like Jay Bro saying mm-hmm. it, you know, or like people in the crowd or like fans or whatever, just saying Silo Nasra. Like that rolls off the tongue. It sounds cool. I think I'm going to use that. So it's been that since, but I think for a lot of people, when they see it or they hear it without even actually seeing what it's spelled out as, they, they're like, what? What did you just say? You sound like you're speaking a different language, like Silo Nasra. Like, mm-hmm. what? What did that mean? So I think I might just go with Silo in the near future. Yeah, I had a short mind too. I just go by Oz Ultra now, if anything. Uh, but uh, I like your handle. I like your handle is cool. Like Gino Hill. That's hilarious. Yeah, I uh, that kind of that was kind of random. It was just because I, I was a big fan of him. I'm a big fan of the uh, guys like Jonah Hill and Zach Galifianakis. Like they're 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 weird kids that um, that usually don't get into limelight. I, I connected them a lot more. Mm. So um, I remember go- you explaining me about that when we first met in front of that. Uh, yeah film house yeah exactly i think that was the last and only time we've ever seen each other in person oh yeah for sure i met you during a performance uh, i went to one of your performances said hi um but that yeah that was like the one and only time we really talked yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i just i remember that day really specifically i think that was when we were renting a camera for citrus yeah, mm. yeah with me and martin uh, in the pandemic, uh, walking and biking around, I finally got to know Toronto better. Every neighborhood seems like a different country. Uh, mm. So I lived a lot of my life in Asian Court Scarborough. It's where I still am. What is it like growing up in Thornhill? Um, I would imagine not too different from growing up in Asian Court Scarborough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm guessing it's pretty suburban there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty suburban where I grew up. Well, I I grew up most of my childhood, like my early years in downtown Toronto and Koreatown, Christian Bloor. I remember a lot of those years, but very like those are my earliest memories. So they almost feel like distant dreams to me in that sense. But like, yeah, moved up Thornhill when I was about seven years old, and from grade one till grade eight, I lived in Thornhill. And that was, yeah, it was pretty fun. A lot of white people, a lot of, um, not just white people, but like, it was pretty ethnically diverse, but like compared to living downtown, I felt like it was a little more suburban, white, a lot of good memories, a lot of bad ones, but it was relatively pretty easy going, I think. I think I would have had a way different life if I, grew up downtown mm-hmm. you know, I can't even imagine who I'd be or what I'd be like now so yeah. yeah but I'm thankful for how everything turned out and where I am now so you know I wouldn't have it any other way so about you do you like living in Scarborough it's really comfortable yeah once I get close to home there's a I can breathe um I've really never really known anywhere else. I have fantasies of going to, I don't know, just like somewhere else. Um, mm. Big fan of LA. I'll bring, I'll bring, I'll have a lot of LA questions for you, but. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> so. Uh, but you want to live downtown ever? Do you ever want to think of going downtown? Yeah, I am. 
Yeah. You're going to, or you, or you do want to? I'm looking, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't really, if I were to move anywhere, it'd be downtown, just yeah. to get a sense. West or east side? Hmm? West or east side? I know friends of west side, so probably west side. Hmm. Yeah. I'm an east side boy. Yeah? Beaches? Yeah. No, that's too east. <laughs> uh, like, Crack Corner, Dundas and Jarvis, Moss uh, Park, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Where you hear the screams of souls late at night. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I know there. I know yeah. there. Martin, Martin uh, told me a few stories. About oh, yeah. Martin used to live here, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's witnessed people <laughs> getting off, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> right. So um, you mentioned in an old interview that classical and gospel music were huge musical influences. Which composers were your favorite? Oh, that's a hard question. Gospel. See, that's the thing is that like I grew up listening to my sisters and my parents' music. I never really like paid attention to what artists they were listening to. Mm-hmm. I don't have those stories where like people were playing like records on a r- record player. Like, I don't, you know, my parents or my sister didn't have a record player or any records in that matter. It was always just like, my sister blaring music or me going to church and hearing it. it was just like kind of always happening, but I never paid attention to who it was, but I did always sort of um, put together the patterns of like, Oh, I heard that song before, or, you know, and just kind of also putting in the box of like, Oh, I've heard this kind of music or this kind of singer or this kind of like feeling. It was more about feelings. So, I know that makes me sound like I've never actually listened to any of it because I can't name any artists. It's like someone saying like, oh, I'm into hockey. And then they get asked, who's your favorite hockey player? You know? No, <laughs> like, I'm horrible of names. I just usually work with like, I don't really even know the lyrics. So I'm totally understand that. Exactly. Like I never paid attention to lyrics really until I was in high school, yeah. you know, until I started dating someone and she was like on the exact other side of, listening to music, consuming music solely for the lyrics first before the music. For me, it was always the music and then lyrics after if they happen to be catchy. But if usually like, I don't know, listening to rap or indie rock, whatever, like either the rap was too fast and I was just listening to the rhythm and and the, the flow and the cadence to how they're rapping or I was listening to indie rock and can't even hear the lyrics most of the time anyways. But for her, it was like, if I don't like the lyrics, no matter how good the music is, I can't listen to it. And like, for the first time in my mind, I was just like, Boof, I can't believe there are people like this. I thought everyone consumed music like me. So that was pretty crazy. And from that day on, I started paying, paying attention to the lyrics more, which is funny because I started writing music before I met her. And I was still consuming music in this way. So when I look back and I was like, okay, what, what kind of lyrics were, was I writing then if I didn't really care about lyrics anyways? It was just like vague enough to be openly interpreted in many ways. But really, it was, it was BS, you know? <laughs> it was like I had no idea what I was writing. <laughs> I had no idea what I was saying. Yeah. It was like, yeah. That was a problem that I always ran into when I was younger. Writing music was like, I didn't know what I wanted to write about or like what I, I was just like, I wanted to 
express myself through the music and the feeling rather than like the words. But nowadays it's, yeah, it's the words that come first for me for sure. Mm. Oh, so it does, it has changed. Yeah, definitely. It has. Yeah. So uh, you first started making rock, rock music, if that's correct. And what kind of rock music did you play when you first got started? In um, it was like emo punk, you know, the era of like 2008 to like 2013, 2000, yeah, 2008, 2012 or 11. I'd say 11 was when I was like just writing for the first time, getting my feet wet. When I first started, it was emo punk because I was listening to like, you know, Blink-182 and Green Day. It was so formative for me because it was my first time getting into music that I was choosing for myself. So if you ask me what artists I was listening to back then, then I can name it because for the first time I was consuming music that wasn't coming from someone feeding it to me. You know, yeah. there wasn't that transfer happening. It was just like straight to the source for me. It was direct. So, um, yeah, that's when I wanted to get my feet wet and writing and the first sounds and lyrics were like very emo, very rock. It was in middle school. I remember um, performing it, performing the song with my band for the first time ever performing like any original music. And oddly enough, I wasn't nervous about that. I don't, I don't have any <laughs> memories of being nervous about it. I think I was just fearless always back then. I was just always like overconfident, <laughs> which led me to, you know, learn a lot of lessons but anyways I remember performing and then one of my teachers came up to me and was like you have an English accent when you sing I was like what what are you talking about and it was because I was listening to like all these emo punk like Blink-182 like when he sings like hello there you know he just like sings with that accent so like I took that on a little bit and I was singing with that accent even like Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day do you have the time you know, it's like, it sounds like they have a British accent, but I guess that's because their influences from British bands like The Clash and like, you know, Sex Pistols and Ramones and whatever. So like they took that on and it came and transferred down to me. <laughs> I've never made that connection. I've Yeah, the first band I listened to were Green, was Green Day, Simple Plan. And um, yeah, oh, I thought yeah. it was like a punk cadence or something. Yeah, it's the punk cadence. I never really thought of that till I talked about it right now. Yeah, I think that that's my theory. Let's go with it. So which artists uh, inspire you right now? Which artists inspire me right now? Honestly, that's the thing. It's like the way I've always consumed music and it's even affected me to this day. It's like, I'm just always kind of listening to everything, a whole bevy. And I'm actually looking for more inspiration outside of music these days that I can incorporate into my music, visual artists, uh, you know, fashion designers. Like when I'm making music these days, I have a whole playlist on my YouTube of like the 2021, you know, 2020, 2021 winter season of, of the Gucci runway show, you know, playing. Yeah. And I'm just watching that and I'm just like, how do, like, how do I use this to my advantage to like, the feeling that they're evoking with, with the way they're 
dressed and the sets and these sets, especially during the COVID ones are really extravagant and really well thought out because, you know, they had to do it virtually. Yeah. So like, I think my favorite one is like the 2021 uh, or 2020 Louis Vuitton winter season video. And it's got uh, Yassim Bey, you know, Mo's Def performing in it and this other poet. And it's just like really cool to just see that. And while they're performing, all these models are walking and they've got the dopest shit that they're wearing and like the coolest sets, like where do these places exist? You know, it's like inside of, it's like the matrix. It's like this insane set that I, like, how do they do that? You know, but anyways, I'm ranting, but it, I can't really say on any individual artist. Like if you looked at my Spotify artists, I have, you know, my like living God, a decade or not a decade ago but like half half a decade ago when i first started really getting into like what is silo nazra you know i would have said frank ocean you know my i'm a writer die for frank ocean but i'm i can't say that i'm in that space anymore and i'm like really looking at everywhere i can you know to find inspiration and these days while i'm in album mode i hardly listen to music i hardly listen to music that's contemporary at least that's even in my genre that I that I make. A lot of a lot of the times these days when I feel like listening to music, which is very rare nowadays, it's mostly podcasts and YouTube documentaries mm-hmm. um, on musicians instead of actually listening to their music. You know, like I just watched one on Tyler the Creator last night. It's like un- unraveling the genius of Tyler the Creator or whatever. That's what it was called by Jay Opry. And um, yeah, just wanting the insight more into the process instead of like what the end result is, you know, that's what I'm really interested in these days. And that's where I'm getting a lot of my inspiration. So um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watch a lot of like crime, um, YouTube, doc- me documentaries. Oh, I love those. Yeah. Yeah. It's just anything to really escape um yeah have you seen the serpent yet uh what's that it's the netflix show like number two in canada right now but it's based on that um that french serial killer um he he was a french serial killer who killed a bunch of people in the 70s which is like the golden era for serial killers (laughs) right that was like the last era that was the last decade he could just like literally be off grid and kill someone and be off grid and go off grid and kill as many people as you wanted because they didn't have any dna uh you know and like what is it dna technology or whatever forensics you know that's what they're called but yeah he killed a bunch of people in southeast asia like a bunch of travelers and took and took their passports and even like pretending that put his pictures in their in their passports and traveled as them and like it was just crazy and he who knows how many killed, but like he was a narcissist and it was really interesting because after he even got caught, like once he was free, he even went back to those like countries where they still wanted to arrest him because he killed in so many different countries. So like literally like all these different countries are waiting their turn to like take him to court. And once he got out of one court or one jail, one prison, he was such a narcissist that he was like, Oh, like, 
I want that spotlight on me again. Yeah, I can't, it's hard for me to get into it because I know I'll be committed straight. I'll dive into yeah, it. I finished it in two days for sure. <laughs> yeah, so but for sure, based on that, that's right. right yeah. I even know, like, I know what you're talking about, that feeling of like, oh, my gosh, I have to, like, get stuff done. <laughs> and, like, when I really feel that, but I know I have to finish something because that's also, like, my obsession is that I need to like finish a show or like finish something, a book or whatever, before I move on, especially if it's good. Even if it's not that good, I still have to do it. And so like for Netflix shows these days or like movies, I watch it like on faster speed because that they, they started putting that in, you know, you could only do that on YouTube, which I've always done, but they started doing it on Netflix. So now I watch it like 1.5 speed or whatever. It's like still read the captions and everything, the subtitles. So like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> totally ruining it, but yeah. Yeah, I can't do one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, your family is uh, from Korea. Was 2012 the first time you went back home to Korea? Um, no, I actually went, I think in 2006. That was my absolute first time. I won a talent show in Toronto, a Korean talent show. I got second place actually, um, but I got people's choice. Um, And for the first and second place winners, they were offered to compete in the higher upper echelon talent show in Korea. Mm -hmm. So we went. And uh, I, I competed there and I think I got like fourth place or something in that one. But I was, I remember I was really nervous for that one. I was in a new country. It was way bigger. I don't even know. I, I don't even know if there are higher stakes. I don't even remember what you would have won, but I was just nervous. I remember I was just really nervous for that. But that was, yeah, I love Korea. Korea is so awesome. The last time I remember truly, like the last time I went 2012 was like obviously my real experience of going and like um, experiencing like the whole, you know, cultural significance of it and meeting my family, a strange family that I've never met before, staying with them, learning their ways and even fighting with them at times because, you know, just culturally I'm just so different. obviously growing up here and like Koreans from Korea, Koreans, like, you know, they can get pretty judgmental and like, it's just very different. It's very obtuse, their culture. Sometimes it's very conservative in a lot of ways. You know, you can't be openly as far as I'm concerned, last time I checked, you can't be openly gay there. And like sort of that dimension still exists where it feels like it's, uh, feels like they're still behind a couple of decades than, than especially in Canada. Um, I think they're becoming way more progressive as everything is like obviously globalizing. But 20, 2012 was like, you know, when I went there and I was listening to their R&B and their, their hip hop and their K-pop, it was like, this, this music felt like it was from like early 2000s. It felt Y2K for me. Yeah. And, but now it's like everything's sort of becoming up to date, you know? everything is starting starting to like really come together. But yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go there again soon. But before I go there, before any Asian country, 
I go to, I want to go to Japan. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, like my goal. Like, especially now, like, I just want to get as far from here as possible. So same. Yeah. Japan. Uh, and not, not even Tokyo, just like Hokkaido or something. Just let's like, go. I want to like starve myself for like two days and then go to like those sushi belt conveyor restaurants. <laughs> right. and just like stack up my plates. Just yay. Like, high. As it comes to exactly. You're just like, arm, arm, arm. yeah, I saw this mukbang of this girl doing that. She like went to this place by herself and like literally just stacks of sushi plates it was just like crazy like how did like where does that all go how do you do it but <laughs> yeah yeah one of my goals but I'm, I'm scared now after after watching sea spiracy I, I don't know how i feel about eating seafood anymore oh i won't i won't be bothered mercury poisoning uh um, plastics you don't care uh, declassified like uh incorrectly classified fish like i want to care but i really don't I, I I like put in my. You're not mind. scared of like eating microplastics and shit. Um, I drink well bottled water a lot. Like I do a lot of risky stuff. Um, <laughs> you live on the edge, bro. <laughs> you can be talking about bottled water. <laughs> you can talk me out of it, but it'll take a lot. It'll take a lot. Like Have you watched the documentary though. I started it. I think like and yeah, check it out. It's like, oh, this bums me out. Okay, let's, okay. <laughs> exactly. Hear no evil, see no evil. Yeah. Just ignore it and just li- keep living. Yeah. I mean, honestly, nowadays, I think that's the better route. You don't want to learn everything. <laughs> you don't, yeah, let's, let's put this whole thing over with and then, you know, go back to worrying about the environment. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. For me, that's right now. I'm like, ah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, when we first met in person, we talked a lot about dating. How is uh, dating for you right now? Um, that's kind of personal. I won't go <laughs> too into it. <laughs> I realize, but like generally, like, um, is it all Zoom dates or like how? Zoom dates. Wow. I didn't even know that was an actual thing. Oh. <laughs> I you know like Zoom sessions. Yeah. Or music, but Zoom dates. Wow. No. I, I never was the type to like go on dates, mm-hmm. you know, that was never me. Um, I'm definitely like more of like a relationship guy, even though my longest relationship never lasted for more than a year, mm-hmm. but just the way I meet people and get together with them. It was never like, like I've never had Tinder. I've never had hinge. I've never gone on these things. I've never like, gone up to someone at a bar and be like, Hey, like, I think you're attractive. You want to go out with me? You know, it's never been that it's always been through like mutual friends or like, you know, knowing someone mutually through Instagram, mm-hmm. liking each other's photos. and like, obviously like there's some chemistry or something like you have a conversation and it's going well. And then like, but at that point it's like, I'll never ask them out unless it's like, I actually want to like be with this person on that level. You know, it's not, it's never been like, Oh, let me go on a date with this person. Even though I have no idea if I'm going to like them or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, most people do that if they're like trying to like, you know, mm-hmm. get with them. Yeah. Never call them again. <laughs> but like, you know, it's never been for me. Um, 
I like getting to know someone to the point if I'm gonna ask them out on a date to the point where it's like we have really good chemistry let's see where this goes and it probably will go somewhere because I kind of I'm also very deathly afraid of rejection and failure in that sense so I'll never ask someone out if I'm not sure that they'll say yes <laughs> that's a good strategy. that's like my rule because like Again, like I've had friends who like go up to random girls on the streets and like bars and like asking them out and whatever, and then getting rejected. I'm like, how do you deal with that? Like, like slash fear. Yeah, that is death defying to me. That is like you are really living on the edge. So like when it comes to wanting to get with someone, it's like I need to know that like all these signs are like checkpointed. It's like, yep, she said, hey, with five whys. <laughs> like, you know, like all these things. Works anymore, but like you said, yeah. Like, well, well, I, I'm saying like the, with the hey thing. I, all I, these nuanced things, they're all signs, man. They're all definitely, they're all signs. <laughs> you know? uh, like, I used to read signs and then like. You'd be yeah. very afraid of rejection to know these signs. <laughs> oh, totally. I am, I am, I'm probably more afraid than you, but I, I, um. Nah, I, I, I like to tell that. people that I've exhausted my options, like, like, you know, like the friends, family, friends, mutual friends. And there's probably, there's probably a few people that I could, uh, I could ask, but ask out, but like, yeah, but that's also, again, to your question pertaining to your question, it is very hard right now to like meet new people, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Like, I can't imagine what it's like for people who are used to dating and like everyone that they're trying to talk to is just like, Oh, like we need to have a zoom date. Cause like, I'm too scared that I'm going to get COVID from you because you're literally a stranger, you know? So that's weird. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard times for sure. And I don't blame you. I don't blame anyone who's like feeling lonely right now for sure. In some way or another. Uh, I think we all feel lonely in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I think this is also the blessing that like the world, the blessing in disguise is silver lining that reality and our sort of world has, has uh, appointed this opportunity to really get to know ourselves, you know, and like really, you know, when they say like, how can you love anyone else if you don't love yourself? That's, really in the truest sense so so true it's such a truth and you will only really realize that like when you do just like take on that it's almost that feeling like when you take a cold shower and it's like you hate it and you don't want to do it but you feel so good after that's like kind of what love is like loving yourself is you know it's like you gotta just embrace the shock embrace the cold embrace the dark the bad the ugly like everything and really accept yourself and then you will truly shine and that's when like everyone describes you as like the light in the room like he lights up the room like you know he's just like living it up that kind of energy is like when someone when one truly loves themselves whether or not they're with someone you know when their cup is full and they're willing to share that fullness with someone else who's hopefully their cup is also full and they're just overflowing to each other. Cause if they're not, 
then that's going to be bad news. You know, like I've had my experience with that too. Not saying that my cup is full in any means. I still have a long way to go, but you know, to, to a level it is to a level I am like very um, happy and I've got my own routine and like, I know myself in that sense. Like I know how to be my own best friend and like being with people who take that away from you can be super toxic and super draining. And really like, as you get older, it's just like, you don't have the patience for that. You know, you're not there to, to feed them with a bib, you know, to spoon feed them, you know, and show them the exact steps of like how to find themselves, you know, cause I don't know, like you're your own person. You're going your own journey, like find your own path, you know, but you gotta, again, like take that cold shower approach and really just dive in and like not look for distractions and, you know, or get distracted or like find self or short gratification from outside of yourself, you know, mm -hmm. but sorry to go so deeply into it, but that's like my whole yeah. life. <laughs> that is like my priorities in life is like family, music and self-growth, you know, like self-love because that is a lifelong event, like endeavor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sure. I hope just as important as exercising is, you know, in media culture, um, when it wasn't a decade ago or, or decades ago, you know, when people in the seventies used to see running as like a joke, it was like who runs for fun, you know, but now it's like, you need to, you need to like do these things, like try to do these things to feel good. You are what you eat, whatever. And like, I hope in the next years or decade, um, you know, meditation is just as important because to me, meditation is just, or if, if any, it's, it's more important than actual exercise because yeah. you're, you're working out the most important muscle in your, in your body. That's, that's your brain. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to jump right into that. I have a question about this. So, uh, yeah. so you mentioned in the past interviews that you suffer from depression and you were able to climb out of it by find yourself and mm -hmm. the help of music. Uh, my main source of suffering was constantly rejecting the expectations that are set for me. And I, uh, fix a lot of it by understanding, accepting and embracing myself. And I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. How is your mental health recently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been definitely tested because of the pandemic for sure. But I've never actually meditated as much before either. You know, I'm meditating almost on a good day, four hours a day. And usually on average, one to two hours, you know, usually after I eat or in the morning after I eat and before I go to bed. Um, so right now it's pretty stable right now. My mental health is pretty stable, but like, of course, when it gets bad, it gets bad. Um, but again, the part of the process of like learning to love yourself and being your own person and finding, um, finding the best friend in you is knowing the inner workings and knowing the patterns, knowing the behavioral sort of, arcs of what's going to happen when you do go into a bad place or when you go into a happy place when you're in when you're happy and you're feeling good and you're like you can kind of tell 
the nuanced sort of signs that come when it's like you're coming down from it or like whatever or vice versa you know when you're about to go into like sort of phase of depression or anxiety or whatever and you don't want to do anything you don't want to go out get out of bed and stuff like I think these days I'm learning to cope with them and manage them much more efficiently to a level of manner where I'm getting back to baseline uh, way quicker. Mm. And that's like, again, what meditation is all about for me is finding balance. It's finding peace, contentness, you know, neither too happy and joyful nor too sad and angry and hurt, you know, it's finding the balance and it's learning to embrace both sides and like letting life flow completely and unfiltered and unadulterated through you. And that's like, yeah, I think that's what nature is. You know, people see nature as like this cruel and savage thing, or they see this as as like life-giving and blah, 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 but it's like, it's it's both, you know, it's the light and the dark, everything. So you gotta embrace it all. If you want to find peace yeah yeah well put yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> let's switch gears yeah that was that was really yeah everything has so far has been amazing yeah really good like i'm i really like how you're so open with everything maybe it's because i'm me and i'm i'm a special i i open i get it out of you but uh i think so i think in a way you do i usually feel much more like I guess, careful with my words and I overthink, but I feel very open and I feel very, uh, yeah, at peace with you. <laughs> I think it's because I don't feel too judged, you know, that's a good thing. I think that's a really good thing is to not ever feel like you're being judged or overanalyzed by people. Cause that's what like makes you go into like that hole <laughs> inside yourself and you hide. Mm-hmm. But yeah yeah you just you just like very good skill to have as an interviewer right <laughs> you just imploded my ego for a second uh it was exploding right now yeah okay that's good <laughs> yeah it's with uh, love yeah yeah it's love man um so let's switch gears so martin um so i met martin and i uh worked on him on a video once so he's incredible fantastic he's your video guy he's your editor handsome mm-hmm. boy how did you meet Martin? Um, I think I met him mutually through a friend when we were looking to do a video with me and Leo. Leo Desi is this French producer that I've worked with and he's part of, I guess, the squad. And we had a song together. It was called Undone. And we were looking for people to do the video. And it was Martin and Jonah. Jonah Haber, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Haber, Haber. Um, and we, we shot it in one night and, you know, super DIY, super lo-fi, super like whatever we rented, like the nicest, the most expensive thing that we rented was like the car that was in the video. It was like this old manual Honda from like the eighties. That was like, it was top, top down and like, it was all black and it was really cool. But, um, after that, I was looking for a director to direct my first music video for Salah Nasr, which was Divine. Mm-hmm. And so Martin, again, came in and it sort of just naturally converged our, our lives in that sense where 
we were starting to build this universe together and like by FOMO, that's when we were really vibing. That's when we really understood each other's tastes and I was able to trust him and he was able to trust me. And of course it helps that he's a fan of my music as well, as much as I'm a fan of his style and his videos. So that's sort of like, again, how the universe sort of provided for both of us to be in each other's lives in that sense. And like, you know, I feel the same with my manager and like the people, everyone on my team right now. It's like, I feel like a, like a Pokemon trainer. I'm like going to like different gyms and I'm like becoming friends with them. I'm like, Oh, I have my rock. I have my Misty, you know, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? It's just like the universe just like kind of handed them. And I was like, thank you. This is a blessing. And like, we're still working together, still going strong. And yes, he's doing a lot more than just directing and more than just like a videographer in a lot of ways. He's like creative directing, you know, and like once we get on the road and doing tours again, I'm sure he's going to be involved in like the set designs and like even filming, you know, um, like live shows and like all that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, yeah. Blessed to have him. He's a great guy. And to many more uh, videos and, yeah. and works, prospects in the future, yeah. Yeah, many more memes together. Um, many more memes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, in, 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 the, in, in that sense, uh, your label, Muck Posh, is, was that also kind of organic, the way that- Well, that's the management label that I'm with. Mm -hmm. um, my, my actual label is called Mud Mask Recordings. Okay. Yeah. It's not very active yet, but um, once I get everything sort of really on high momentum, I think I'm going to start looking for like other artists to sign and stuff and just kind of make it into a real label, but like working hand in hand with Muck Posh, of course. Uh, Muck Posh was started with my manager. It was started by my manager, Dimitri. Now I think it's he co-owns or co-runs it with Michael Powell, who I also met um by divine providence providence and he was the grant writer for my 2018 grant from factor and we just became really good friends since then and uh yeah they run it together they're working us they're working or yeah me gold chain leo maddie j um and helping a little bit with amare that She's the new artist from Ghana, who's really been popping off this year. Um, she has a really dope album. Anyone who hasn't listened should check it out. It's called The Angel You Don't Know. Yeah, it's just super, super cool. But yeah, that's the story behind them. And I was really opposed to the name, <laughs> Muck Posh. I thought it was sounded so stupid. I don't know who came up with that, but it is what it is and I've accepted it and I embrace it and I'm under the umbrella of Mach Posh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's get into LA stuff. So um, I have a, a lot of LA questions for you because looking at your stories, you go there quite a lot. So mm. um, how is traveling to LA in the pandemic? Is it the same as Toronto with their COVID restrictions? No, actually, um, I've only been once this year or since the pandemic started. I came back from it literally when Toronto had its first lockdown back 
in last March or April. I came in literally the week before the lockdown was instilled, which was crazy. And then I didn't go until November to shoot Why Are You Back? But that was for like San Francisco and stuff. And I was pretty surprised. I went there and I thought like, oh, this is America. Like everyone's, no one cares. Like everyone's probably just like walking around without masks on and shit. And so I went for a run. As soon as I landed, I put on, I put on my workout gear and I ran because like my manager used to live around this area called Silver Lake and it was around this reservoir and it's about like two, three miles the whole way. So it was just a good run. Um, I especially loved it at like dusk, you know, sunset. And I go down there and everyone's wearing masks. Everybody, I'm not wearing one. I'm just like, oh shit. And I'm just like self-conscious now. Cause like I'm running past people and I'm like heaving <laughs> and like people are wearing their masks and they're like looking at me cause I don't have my masks on. They're just like, how dare you? Like they have that look on and it's just like, wow. Like I feel self-conscious. Like y'all are doing it better here than Toronto, you know? But I guess that was because of like the area that I was in. It's sort of like, you know, it's nicer, that area. So everyone's a little more conscious, but yeah. It's, it's been hard because I've never had to stay here longer than like three, four months at a time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've only gone abroad once. So this is definitely testing for me, but it's also a blessing because I moved downtown to my own place. Yeah. as of last year april nice so um yeah like i've been ha- i had my hot boy summer last year <laughs> even though it was covid but i still had it it was still fun probably gonna have it this year too but um as soon as i get my vaccine i'm gonna go back again go to la and uh try to get the show back on the road and do some shows mm-hmm. yeah have you considered living in la I have, I have considered living there and I still am considering, mm-hmm. um, I never really, if I am going to live somewhere like that, I'd like live somewhere abroad. Um, I don't think I'm going to like live, live there. I think if I'm ever able to afford living in LA, then I would rather spend some time here and there and just go back and forth. Maybe like spend six months here, six months there how I ideally always vision for myself was never to get like one big house, at least for now until maybe I have a family, but like how I want to live is instead of like having flats here, London, uh, LA, you know, and just like going back and forth. Cause I love traveling. And I love just being in different places all the time. And like that really fuels my art and that really fuels me as an artist. So yeah, I think, if you ask me that in the near future, um, it'd probably be the same. I'd probably say I'd, I'd rather just go back and forth. But for now, I, I enjoy living here. Yeah. Is the, is the culture, uh, I guess, diversity similar in there? Um, yeah. Seems pretty yeah. similar. Yeah. Pretty similar. Um, it just feels different, though. Like, even when I go there, like, I always joke about, like, oh, like, L.A. Silo is here again, you know, like, right. I feel like a different person because it's just the weather there, you know, it's the weather that feels 
that makes you feel like a different person. It's dry, it's warm. It's not here when it gets warm. It's not humid and gross and you have to sh take five showers a day. It's like dry there. So you're not sweating, but you're warm and it's 30 degrees and sun shining. And every day it's basically sunny. Mm -hmm. And like, I guess the energy there is just different. The energy is just different, you know? So people are definitely like, it's different there for sure. Like people do act different. Um, but not in a good, like in a better or worse way. It's just different, mm -hmm. you know? And I think I'm sure everyone would change a little bit if they moved over there mm -hmm. or if they stayed there for long periods of time and they come back here. But it's funny, like when I stayed there for almost two months last time and I came back here, like on three or four different instances, people that I met at like events and stuff, like they're for some reason assumed that I was from LA you know <laughs> and i remember asking this one girl like why did you think i was from la and she was like you just seem like you're from la just like have an la vibe and i was like damn okay whatever that means but i'll take it la silo's here in toronto then <laughs> silo never left yeah exactly la silo never left it's like tyler durden you know the cooler version of me just like <laughs> more <laughs> yeah yeah um, so you have a lot of fans in Bangkok and Jakarta. Would you ever do an Asian tour? So I would love to. I would love to. I love Thailand. I love Bangkok. Um, yeah, I would love to do that for sure. I would never say no. Mm -hmm. Let me out there. Let's go. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah, because you, you have mentioned that uh, in previous interviews that you have traveled there before. Um and, but on the connected note, what is your thought on 88 Rising? Um, I think they're really cool. I think they really represent, are representing American Asians in the best way possible. Um, yeah, just like they're definitely pioneers in their own right. And yeah, I'm completely for, for them. Um, it's another thing if you ask me if I would ever want to be signed to them. Um, I think I'd rather be a trailblazer in my own way. But I do respect them and I would love to do shows with them, of course. But like for me to like, I just don't really see Silo Nasra being signed to like 88 Rising. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Not really. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'd fit in that world like I, I, i'm just outside of that lane you know i feel like i fit more into like the asians who are being signed to like london labels like peggy goo with um ninja tune and like park Jin, you know packaging that's how you say it in korean i think mm -hmm. but like these artists that are like being signed to like the london labels and like european labels you know like that are coming out of berlin and like Paris and whatever like I think I feel like I f would fit in more in that lane mm. rather than like the American 88 side of it mm -hmm. um even like seeing like uh Anders you know like I could see Anders being signed to 88 yeah he was on a show um I think uh the Ijima guy couldn't show up not Ijima uh Keith Abe couldn't show Keith up Abe. yeah 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 so he he was there. I I was there and uh, oh cool. 
we didn't know who he was. <laughs> we didn't know who he was. Anders. Anders. Yeah. And then yeah, and once I worked in the industry, like. Yeah, it seems Everybody like he's almost got like a cult following in Toronto, but it doesn't seem like he's very well known outside as like to my knowledge so far. Like when I go to like LA or whatever, I, I don't know, he's never like come up in conversations and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, he's doing really well here and he's always on the radio. Yeah. You know, seeing him on billboards downtown and stuff and like posters and, you know, it's dope. But I could, yeah, I could definitely see him like being part of that like 88 family, but like, I don't know, just the music and like what I represent and like just the aesthetic that I'm sort of more leaning towards. It's, it's not, it's not really in that world. It's not really in that bubble. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, uh, yeah, for, for a long time, I wanted to work with them and um, seem like a dream, but now, like, I don't know, like, I guess, like, I'm, I'm not sure what the direction is anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they're holding on. Like, I don't, Joji and Brian haven't put out a lot of stuff, so it's like I'm not really. I'm trying to see what their what their direction is, but um, mm. it's a it's a pretty big for us. Just like yeah, I know they're huge in like in China too. You yeah. know, like a lot of their fan base is in China. Mm. I, I know that, which is really cool because that's a huge untapped market, in my opinion, from the West mm-hmm. going east. You know. And I think that's like something that I really want to be a part of is being one of the first or like earliest artists that are Asian in America, in Canada, that are going East instead of the East coming to the West, you know, like I really want to be a part of that. And that's really cool. Cause like, yeah, at heart, like, yes, my face and my blood, my flesh and blood is Korean. But like, man, I am so not (laughs) like my mentality, my paradigm, everything. It's just like it started on Western foundation. You know, it really did. So, yeah, I would feel like a fraud if I like went to Korea and became like a a K-pop star. And, you know, even though my even, even if I learned Korean perfectly and stuff, like I just wouldn't have it in me to do that. Yeah. Like when I watch K dramas, it's like this is like so fobby. Like I love it. It's super fun and cute, but like I can never act like that. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I totally get that. Totally get that. My parents want me to. They finally started watching YouTube, and they're like, "Yeah, make some make some Chinese YouTube videos." I'm like, <laughs> "Can the market is there? The views will be great." But I'm like, I really, I'm really not. I don't connect to it anymore. Like it's just mm. really not me anymore. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, in a way I, I totally with you on that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I love um, cooking, Chinese cooking, TikTok and YouTube. Oh, those really aesthetic. When they're like, yeah, cooking stuff. Like that little, like literally like four-year-old baby, like cooking gourmet dishes. Have you seen that? <laughs> Oh my gosh. And he's just like folding the dumplings perfectly in his little hands. And it's like, everyone's just like dumbfounded. It's like a small person or, or a baby, but it's a baby. He's like literally four years old, like a toddler Mm -hmm. making Chinese gourmet dishes in like the mountains, (laughs) you know, over like a, a, like literal, like coal fire, not even a stove. (laughs) Like, yeah, there's some. It's a whole. It's a whole universe. It's a whole. Yeah, a, a whole lot of people 
suspect yeah. that it's like Chinese propaganda, you know, because China, like China owns TikTok, oh. like a Chinese company and like everyone that those kind of videos always show up on everyone's algorithm, no matter what, because, <laughs> you know, they're definitely like embedded in there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're definitely just like sliding through, sliding in people's TikTok DMs, <laughs> TikTok algorithms. And they're just like seeing this stuff and it's like, come to China, you know, or like, we're not that bad. Communist party ain't that bad, you know, like it works, you know, I don't know, not to get too political, but like, who knows what the uh, agenda is, but definitely feels propaganda ish to me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's, um, there's like straight up, straight up propaganda too, like very open, very clearly uh, orchestrated um, just like, Chinese girls saying something about the American dream, like you can tell it's like there's some very obvious ones, and there's and then there's your four-year-old making like incredible food. Like, I don't know. I just think everything yeah. everything so is that good. really pretty girl in like the countryside who's like oh, making yeah. a bed from scratch and like for her grandma. <laughs> you know, it's like is she really making that from scratch? You know? Those pretty those pretty girls there, you look at their family and like they don't look anything like her. I'm like Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. Wow. Are you from mainland or yeah? Like mainland. Were you born there? Yeah. I uh we we came here in 04. Oh um, nice. What uh what kind of, or like what province are you from? Uh so right beside Beijing, Tianjin. So Oh Tianjin, I know Tianjin, yeah. Oh yeah, how do you know? No one knows. Oh, I know the provinces. My oh, favorite is Langzhou. Oh, okay. I've only world. been to Hangzhou. Um, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Maybe that's where my family is from, the Han Dynasty. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. Because my last name's Han. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even though my 23 me says that I'm 90% Korean mm. and 10% Japanese. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think we're all sort of we're all related somehow. Mm-hmm. I like the East Asians. Yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, Mongol, a lot of Mongol. Mongol exactly, Mongol. it's the Mongolian blood for sure. Definitely. So okay, um, switching gears again. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, like going we, we could talk. Like we could, we could. Um, yeah, we could like. We could like talk and talk and uh, yeah. I don't know like doing yeah, the shit like, like we'll like text me or something like I didn't know how busy you were, um, yeah. Oh, no, let's do it. I like this. Yeah. Yeah, we could make because I'm a rambler when I, when I actually talk to people. Good. I fire off and uh, overshare. Yeah. Good. I like that. Yeah. I like it when it gets personal. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Personal. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think we'll have a we'll have a good future or something. Um, okay. So going to um, Jenny and Citrus live rent free in my head, and uh, <laughs> Spirits your nice. single is yeah. about. What's the story behind Spirits? Thank you, man. Um, spirits is it all was written around the time when I wrote Citrus and Ginny, they all kind of live in the same family. Too bad they're not on an album together and they won't be, cause like the album that I'm working on is gonna be a complete new project. But I think they would at least fit on some sort of project together because they all came from a place where 
I felt really toxic as a person in my relationships. And I felt like I was really t- coming to terms with that. And, um, you know, I was in a place where I really wanted to face my demons. You know, I wanted to purge myself of all my um, tendencies that are selfish, that are egocentric, that were greedy, self-serving, you know, there's nothing wrong with self-serving if it's for self-love, but in this sense, it was like, it was not in a healthy way. You know, it was, it was a lot of, um, and I was attracting that kind of energy into my life, the people that I was seeing, people I was dating, um, you know, so a lot of those songs were just like dealing with that toxic energy and that when I was writing, it was sort of, just embodying that spirit. That was really what I was, what was really just um, taking up my time and my energy was just like, while I'm trying to be this meditating being and this person who's looking for the light in their own way, I'm dealing with these people who are taking me back and kind of dragging me down. And, you know, I really wanted to get out of that cycle. So that those slew of songs sort of came from that place where it was like, that was like, I think spirits is going to be my last song. You know, why are you back was in that sort of same sphere of like the pushing and pulling of someone that you want to like end things with or citrus is like, you know, the frustration that comes with dating someone who um, doesn't always agree or has their own insecurities that can ruin the moment and live the relationship in a lot of ways because of, you know, what I do as an artist, you know, like feelings of like blind jealousy and, you know, just stuff like that. It's just like, why are you so sour? You know, (laughs) you know what I mean? And spirits is in that same lane of like, that was like the ending note. Spirits was the ending note to that whole um, saga, I guess. It's really, really putting the end to it. And like, you know, like in the bridge, like after the chorus, you know, got this pain in my chest and I'm, but I'm cutting these loose ends. You know, it hurts to really let go of the things and the people in your life that are holding you back. So this was like that final ode to them. I was just like, it hurts me and I don't want to, cause this is what I know. This is what I'm comfortable with but I know that I have to like cut this loose, you know, like in the very end, like the outro bridge, it's like, baby, we had Eden, we had everything, but I tried honestly to keep my head above water, you know, like I tried, we tried, but like, this is where we finish it. And now I'm on to bigger, I wouldn't say better, but bigger things, things that don't really, um, concern me as an individual but more going towards us as a whole (laughs) but that's for a discussion later on but yeah yeah that was sort of like the end of that era with spirits Mm -hmm. yeah you said you were in album mode um i guess you're just uh how what step of the album mode are you on right now what's just writing just writing and like conceptualizing and you know working with martin and the uh, 
graphic artist that I started working with to really start compiling and conceptualizing what this next project is going to be about and really trying to hone it. Yeah. Really trying to refine it and get it to a point where it's like, this is a product that we have, you know, shed blood, sweat and tears over. Cause I've never really done that. Everything that I've done up to this point has kind of been like laying the bricks in front of me as I'm walking instead of building that road and then walking on it after I've like seen it as a whole and like appreciate it and then present it to the world. You know, I've never really put in that like extra 10% to, to the real pre-production, which makes projects so great and timeless is like the thought put into them. And like, I've never really done that. I've always kind of been like a vibe guy, just catching the vibe and, you know, it pertains to who I am as a person now. So let's just put it out. And that's sort of been like my model. And now I'm in a place where I'm mature as a writer, I'm mature as an artist, I'm mature as a person. And I want to really put my time and effort into something that like, I can, I can uh, pinpoint when I look back on it in my life as like, this is what this represented, this project is what represented me at the time as a person. And it's like, wow, like this is for my own sort of memory you know, my own memory archives, you know, other than like for the world, I can't have that mindset. You know, it's really, this has got to be for me. There's got to be something that like, I really put in the time and effort because like as a student, as an academic student in school, like I hardly got by, I did the bare minimum, you know, that's what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Exactly, man. Uh, so, you know, like that's what I'm used to. And I've never in my life, like really put in the effort to like a project that really, um, encapsulates me at the time of what I'm feeling and what I'm going through, like truly onto paper. I kind of just go through it just like everyone else. And it becomes part of you. You keep living, c'est la vie, you know, whatever. But yeah, for this next project, like I really want to, I really want to do that. I really want to create this cohesion and this consistency that is me that is truly me and wholly me and as little as possible, try to get influence from, you know, other artists or other people or, you know, from Instagram or whatever, like really trying to be conscious that I don't get distracted by those things because in this day and age as an artist, as a creative, or as just anyone who's trying to be productive, we are in an era where like, we're at an age where information and tutorials and knowledge is so ready at hand but also at the same time so are the other sides of that the temptations the vices the distractions you know we really are living in a day and age where you could literally choose to be a genius or you can choose to be an idiot you know (laughs) and like it might not feel like a choice but it really is a choice you know when you're choosing to go to Instagram the first thing in the morning when you get up instead of like reading a book like they did in like, I don't know, 30 years ago. Cause there, there was nothing else back then. My internet know? was slow. Yeah, exactly. Like shit was boring, but like that was when people were making the greatest art because there really was nothing else to do. You know, and the people who are living in this day and age in our lifetimes who are making the greatest art they are living that lifestyle. They're not going on Instagram. Like 
whenever they get the chance to, whenever taking a shit or like going on TikTok, whenever they're like waiting for their takeout or whatever, you know, like they're thinking ideas. They're like, what can I, what can I think of next? What can I create next? You know, like those are the greats that are living in this day and age. So like, you need to get on that frequency. You need to get on that channel. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to do. Sorry if it sounds so preachy, but like, this is like what I'm going through day in, day out of like trying to pep talk myself and, and motivate myself and like sort of pivot, always pivoting when I'm catching myself doing the wrong thing, not the wrong thing, but like doing the thing that is not leading me into the reality that I, I want to manifest for myself, you know? So, yeah. 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 It's good that you thought about it. Yeah. I haven't, I don't, yeah, I'm at, I'm at, I'm at a previous stage of that, but it's good that you're there. Um, you're on your own stage, man. You're on your own. Yeah. You're literally on your own stage. You're literally your, your own star actor, your director, your writer, your screenwriter. Mm -hmm. Like it's all, it's all on you, you know, and whatever your phase that you say you're in, that's all part of the journey. It's all like, you're watching your own movie play out and like, there's no hurry in that, you know, you want it to never end. At least you, you should feel like you want it to never end, you know, because that's what a good movie is. That's what a good piece of art is, is that you never want it to end. So like be that, you know, and yeah, it's easy to like say, Oh, like I'm in a previous stage or I'm, you know, you're there, I'm here and it's good to compare, but never feel like you're subpar or, or better, you know, yeah, because it really is your own movie, you know. The only harshest critic is yourself. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I like to end things on, I, well, this is very recent. Like when I see a show or something, I want them to end on top. Like, okay, this is really, really, really good. Okay, mm -hmm. I don't want them to do seven seasons. I don't want them to like really fall off. I just want to end on top. That's what mm -hmm. I'm, that, but that's like very recent. And that might not even be how I approach your life. But um, yeah, that's like... On a subconscious level, that might be though, you know? Yeah. I love the story of the underdog. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. my favorite, you know, Rocky, whatever. Like it shows a montage of them being weak, but then they like start practicing and they start getting stronger or smarter or whatever. And they come on top at the end. I love those stories. The stories of metamorphosis, you know, when they're truly go from the person that they hate themselves to be to the person that like they've over, always were meant to be, you know, like I love those stories. And I think subconsciously, you know, we relate to that. We relate to that as people, as viewers, as consumers, like we relate to that so much. So yeah, I've always seen myself as an underdog and I love that. Whenever I watch basketball games or like UFC fights, I'm always going for the underdog. Yeah, same. Exactly. Because that makes a better show, honestly. You never want it to be predictable, you know? You watch Formula One? No, but I, I love that show on Netflix, F1 or whatever. Yeah. Remember, you remember Alexander Albon? I think so. Yeah. I think so. He was, a, he was the underdog of underdogs last year. He, he's, mm -hmm. got, he's got uh, essentially eliminated from the sport. He's still driving. But essentially, he was eliminated. But there was, yeah. there was, there's many underdogs, but that was an underdog. I, it was a painful season. <laughs> like mm -hmm. he didn't even do badly. But like, like the same uh, in the same way. Yeah, I don't like 
like the the Lakers, the LeBron Lakers, ugh, like when they when they're going crazy and super team, like exactly. It, That's why the Raptors win was so satisfying. Yeah, you know that was so powerful and symbolic on so many levels. You know, for us as a city, for them as a league, everything like the individuals on that team, their stories. Like for me, I really resonate with Fred Van Fleet. Mm-hmm. You know, like just his story, where he came from, the broken home that he came from. Like I relate to that on so many levels, and like just seeing how much he's triumphed and how much he's mastered his, himself as as a person and his skill and his prowess. Like achieve, I want to achieve that. You know. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Yeah, dude. Ask some of my questions. Um, what are your What are your This This is like. Okay, I'll just do the do the proper like, like I won't I won't just like hang up, but I'll do the proper like, uh, sign off. So intro, yeah, yeah. You know, do what you got to do, man. I enjoyed this nonetheless. It was awesome talking to yeah. you. This is a dream interview, uh, dream artist, uh, low key man crush. Not gonna lie. Oh, uh, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, that. I've been wanting to talk to you again for a long time, and Silo uh, Nazra. In my head, it has been Silo Nozra for a long time. Yeah, see, like, a lot of people think that too. Yeah. That's why I might just go by Silo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, incredible, easiest guest ever, easiest person to talk to. Oh, man. Hopefully, lifelong friend or well, something. And Hopefully. Uh, you, gotta, you don't have to hope that. Come on. Manifest it. Yeah. yeah. We're here. Let's go. We talked. We, we shared time and space together. Let's yeah. go. You know, let's continue. Yeah, man. So I'll probably. It's, it's hopefully, when this is all over, like we'll be able to actually like hang out and chill. You know, get your vaccine soon, and I'll try to get mine and you know, <laughs> go for drinks and stuff. Whatever. If you ever come to LA too, you know. All right, man. Let's make it happen. Studio One.